72nd episode of That's So Hindu. I'm Matt McDermott. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Varun Gandhi, who describes himself as a life orchestrator, soulpreneur, an angel investor, philanthropist, and last but not least, a water doctor. We're discussing his work creating a digital course called What's Your Story that helps you focus your life better to create a better future for yourself, as well as his impressive service over the past couple of years, feeding people and providing needed supplies to the community during the pandemic, as well as his goal of feeding 100,000 people this coming Thanksgiving. Have a listen. So what is What's Your Story and how did that come about? Uh, Love and abundance, everyone. Um, What's Your Story is... It, okay, this is. I have an interesting history with what's your story, the phrase even. Uh, this is when maybe I was in my teens or 20s, you know, early 20s, uh, when I'd reach out to women and talk to, you know, women about, you know, hey, like, how are you doing? Like, you know, trying to date them. I'd always ask them that question, what's your story? So I was very curious about people's stories from the very beginning. Now, it became personal, like it became more like an inner journey for me when I started meditating and understanding how at every moment of our lives, we are creating a story of how we see situations, how we see people in our lives, how we see experiences, you know, our perspective of them. Each of those perspectives is a story that we are creating in our minds based on past experiences, based on our memories, based on all these different uh, preconditioned habits, right? Preconditioned ideas inside of ourselves. And so that, so then it kind of evolved into this inner journey of understanding what is my story? You know, how am I in different situations in my life, in different experiences? Let's say about six months ago, this conversation would be very difficult for me to have because I'd be very nervous. I'd be sweating from all the wrong places. And, you know, it would be very uncomfortable for me to be in front of a camera and be speaking with you. But now over understanding what my story is and, you know, really diving deeper into what was holding me back. What was that fear underlying this not being able to you know share my voice not being able to express myself so certain things that have helped me kind of switch my story is having you know words of affirmation around me you can see the one behind me that says yes you can there's one in front of me that every day every time i'm sitting right here in front of the camera there's one that right there that says express yourself to the right of the camera so it's uh you know kind of infusing my life with these different positive reminders, positive stories. Uh, And so it kind of evolved into that. And then I created this um, show called What's Your Story? It's an interview format. You know, it's very similar to this, understanding what people's stories are, because, you know, understanding why are they interested in what they're doing? Because I'm looking to interview people that are in non-traditional careers, you know, not your traditional doctors, lawyers, attorneys, unless they're doing something, you know, in a different field that they're passionate about. So I want to bring on people who have a certain message to share, uh, focused in the South Asian, Indian, uh, the Desi diaspora, and, uh, you know, wanting to amplify these messages. And that's the, what's your story, the show. So that's kind of the evolution of what's your story. Why, why do you think you couldn't express yourself before? That's a great question. So this goes back to, uh, my grandfather. So this is my maternal grandfather. And, uh, he had this, a lot of anger inside of him. And so every time one of his children, like a baby would make a sound, he would, 
get really angry and, you know, scream or get upset and shut them up. So that carried down from my mom into me. And so that's one of the things that I've seen uh, as I've, uh, uh, you know, diving deeper into what my stories are. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I've always had this issue of sharing, expressing myself, at least as far as I can remember. Uh, even when I was, a, uh, my parents would tell me the story that, uh, let's say when I was maybe three, two, three years old, uh, my dad had gone, I was really tight with my dad, really close to my dad. And he had gone on this, uh, on a work assignment for a long-term period, maybe like six months or a year or so. And so during this time, I wouldn't see him as often. He would come home, but it would be maybe every three weeks, once a month, you know, on some certain frequency, but I wasn't able to see him on a daily basis. And so I wasn't able to express myself, but you know, they could see that, uh, I was changing. I was, you know, being affected by this absence. And so that's one of the stories from early on that I've heard that kind of gave me an indication that I haven't been able to do this. Then of course, throughout the years, like as I was doing my PhD, for example, when I'd be giving presentations in national conferences, you know, with crowds of 50, hundred people, I would have to put myself in a position where I'm creating this presentation and then creating a script so that I would essentially memorize the script and blurt it out in front of the president, you know, in front of the people in, in the crowd. And this, uh, you know, this was me like not being able to open myself up and speak as if I'm in the moment. So I, when I get in these situations, my conscious mind it's, it's like my conscious mind has gone for a walk. It's not there. And all of these subconscious behaviors are just coming out and whatever comes out, I'll just say it. Uh, and, you know, so I've seen patterns over time and I'm finally getting to a space of like, Hey, I want to, you know, work on this because with the baby on the way, I don't want these patterns to carry over into the next generation. You know, I want to work on this myself. And that's all of this work that's been uh, put out in 2021 and 2022. Is there something in the Indian diaspora that, that you think particularly needs this sort of work or why are you focusing there? I don't think these are necessarily, uh, topics that are only applicable to South Asian diaspora. Yes, they are applicable to, you know, any culture. Cause I talk about colorism. I talk about, um, you know, mental health. Uh, but the reason I wanted to focus on the South Asian diaspora on the Desi culture, because I feel like there are not enough people talking about it. Uh, you know, there are not enough voices in within this, uh, diaspora talking about these tough topics. Right. So I want to, uh, speak to them first and then everyone else will come, you know, along, um, as we're having this conversation, but I wanted to bring the, you know, involve them in the dialogue as well. Cause I feel like they, in certain conversations like, uh, colorism, mental health, women's abuse, men's abuse, it goes both ways. Uh, we haven't played an active role. I mean, we have allowed it to happen in the background, Maybe the society community sees it happening, but, uh, you know, they don't want to interfere for whatever reason that may be. And, you know, it's kind of having these conversations, talking about the abuse that's there in the community so that other people that are going through it can, you know, voice they are uh, something that they may be going through and you know, express themselves, at least share it or talk to someone in, in confidence. And, uh, that, and that's kind of why I wanted to focus in, within this diaspora. I'd like to pivot a little bit here. 
one thing that really attracted me to having you on the show, it's a really impressive stat, which we'll get to. We're here, it's April, the end of April 2022, and we're knocking on wood coming out of the pandemic. And a lot of people accuse me of saying COVID is gone, it's not here anymore. I mean, people are, are still getting infected, but the worst of it seems to be past for now. Looking back, how did you come to supply 8,000 households with needed materials back in those darkest days? What inspired you and how did that come about? Right before the pandemic, I was in India and I had gone to a city in Gujarat called Rajkot. I was visiting there. I was actually living in Bombay at that time for the two weeks and going on these little field trips. So one of the field trips was Rajkot. It was a short trip. We were there for a couple of days visiting family. And while I was there, this wasn't in the plan. We hadn't even talked about it. It just came up. Uh, I came across and the family member that we were, we were pretty close to him. He had believes, or he uh, has this uh, guru that he mentioned in conversation and he was talking about this guy. And, you know, it was like a, a very in-depth conversation about, uh, you know, this person, his name is Narendra Bhai. And uh, so I said, you know what? I want to meet him. Uh, so then the next day he arranged something. I went over to his place and we had this conversation at that time. I was, uh, this was pre pandemic. I was February, 2020. So I was, uh, talking about working on a meditation studio in the sense of, you know, having classes and uh, incorporating other practitioners in, within the space. Uh, so we were creating something like that. And I, I mentioned that, Hey, we're creating this meditation studio and he planted the seed of feeding people. He said, you know what, find, you know, if there's a kitchen available in this space, uh, find maybe a couple of people who can cook meals in the space and offer free meals for lunch or dinner or whatever that may be one time a day and keep that on a consistent schedule. This way you can attract people to the center. So it started off in that sense and I took that idea and then came back home. Um, I landed here March, I think 10th, 2020. And then within the week, everything shut down, basically everything shut down. And a few days before that, I landed here back. Uh, so I was like, just escaped it, just got into the country. And then, uh, I got a call in April at, Hey, you know, there are a lot of people losing their jobs and not being able to go to their only source of income. They're losing, um, income. They don't have food on the table. What can we do? Uh, we have an organization called joy of sharing foundation that wants to donate funds. We have this facility that has ample space, community center, different size halls, a little temple attached to it, and um, call this another. Sorry to interrupt. Where is this located? I realize we've not actually placed this for listeners. We're both in the greater Los Angeles area, but where exactly are you? Tell our listeners. I, uh, this uh, facility is located in Norwalk, and it's called the Sanatan Dharma uh, Temple. And this is Norwalk, California. So essentially right the neighborhood to the Indian, uh, little India pioneer area. And uh, uh, so we had a facility, we had the funds. So it was up to us to essentially get the resources, the supplies, what we wanted to kind of create a plan and get the volunteers and get the job done. So we said, okay, in May, early May, we'll you know do a, a one-time thing where we'll, create, you know, we came up with a number of 400 grocery bags and each of these bags would contain five, six essentials, uh, which would be like rice, pasta, black beans, uh, oil, you know, something that they could cook with and bake with and, uh, put prep a meal together. So we created this uh, bag 
and put out flyers into the community in Norwalk, Pioneer, different areas, uh, surrounding areas, and went out into the different communities as well. Uh, put out flyers out there and we had about 300 people showed up in their cars and it was like a drive-through format, very safe. So we dropped the cars, uh, the bags in their car and they drive off. Uh, we had 300 people come, the, the rest of the hundred bags we donated to the local shelters and everything was gone. So that time we said, you know what, this is something that we could continue and do it next week again. So we, it kind of grew, we built, built up to it. And then at the end, so essentially we started out with 400 bags. We ended up with 400 bags about six months later, uh, in October, early October is when we stopped doing that part. And I understand it's evolved. You're continuing to feed people though, just now on the weekends, right? Yeah. So this was a Sunday thing. Every Sunday we would meet up and put the, put these 400 bags together. And then a couple of weeks into it, we asked ourselves, what else could we do? Well, we realized not everyone has a space where they could cook these meals. Uh, you know, the supplies that we provide them. Some people are living out on the streets. What if we cook meals and provide hot meals to the community? So we, Find a couple, found a couple of aunties who had uh, time on their hands. They cooked some meals, a hundred meals in their kitchen, 200 meals in their kitchen and brought it out to the temple. And we gave it out to the people who were coming to pick up these grocery bags. So we realized there was a need. People are partaking these meals and they're enjoying it. And at that time, then we wanted to expand further because we wanted to, you know, provide meals for Cause at that time we were serving about, you know, 400 grocery bags would serve about two, but 1500 people, uh, you know, family members, you know, one bag would feed three, four, five people. And so we would collect all of this data and, you know, accumulate these numbers. And we realized we we're kind of giving meals to about 1200 to 1500 people on a weekly basis. So we wanted to get up to that number at some point and provide 1500 meals. Uh, and that, so that time we had a kitchen that was as part of this facility already, a commercial sites kitchen, great, really great resource. Uh, we had the community center was already available to us. We had all of the supplies, the supply chain kind of, uh, found, uh, you know, really put in place and everything was set. Uh, so we just needed a team that could put these meals together. Uh, and, uh, one of our leaders, Dr. Nitin Shah had a connection with a team that he's worked with in the past. And what this team does is they cook out of their garages. And sometimes they use kitchens at these convention centers. Uh, they've prepped meals for 3000 people on a daily basis for these large conventions, you know, multiple day conventions. And so we invited them to come over look at the kitchen. They really liked what we were doing. And so they said, okay, we'll come in and prepping to start prepping these meals. So then we were able to go up to a thousand meals, 1500 meals, and that we've continued all the way to this day. Uh, even last Sunday we were in the kitchen and coming this Sunday all the way through 2022. Then the plan though, 100,000 people Thanksgiving 2022 and across the nation. That's not exactly a small scale up right there. How, how do you plan to do that? And what sort of help do you need? Yeah, that's a big project, you know, that we've been talking about it and, uh, uh, you know, that uh, so it came about when uh, the Jaina organization, you know, this is the Jains for North America. And uh, last year, November, Thanksgiving 2021, they had done something similar where they said they wanted to feed about 100,000 meals across the nation. Uh, what they did is they connected with um, this organization called Food for Life. And what they do is they feed people in different parts of the world. So a lot of the funds that were collected was donated to feeding 
people all around the world. But we said, can we replicate this to do, you know, to feed people within the country? So we, uh, as part of, of our facility, we contributed towards that overall hundred thousand goal, uh, the hundred thousand meal goal for Jaina. We contributed about seven, uh, eight thousand meals. So on Thanksgiving, twenty twenty one. We put together uh, 6,815 meals out of our facility. So instead of doing the regular 1,500, 2,000, we said we wanted to scale up. And we included another facility close by, uh, about 100 miles east of us. And they uh, prepared 2,500 meals. We prepared 4,000 meals, uh, you know, put all of this together, distributed out into the community. And so that's the kind of the blueprint. We already have that. We, we were able to distribute about, you know, about 7,000 meals ranging from, uh, uh, Santa Monica in the North, all the way down to San Diego, all the way East of Riverside. So that's about 150 mile radius. Uh, and I feel like we're now, the, so now the next step is to find organizations that are already equipped to be able to, uh, do meals like us. Right. So they already have a team that's in place with the kitchen that is already cooking maybe a thousand meals or 500 meals and are willing to go up to 2000 meals for Thanksgiving, 2022. Um, so that's kind of the idea. We already have the blueprint on how this can be done. Uh, you know, we had a team that was reaching out to the greater LA area community, different organizations, you know, connecting with them uh, because they are already doing the great work. They have a street team that goes out into the street to deliver these meals, to feed people, to help them with the, you know, there was other drives that were going on. And so we connected with them and we asked them, Hey, would you like to take 50 meals, hundred meals from us and go out into your area, whichever area that may be and feed people. And they were, everyone was willing to do that. We had people line out the door for these meals, organizations coming in hundred meals, 500 meals even, uh, and, you know, taking out to different parts of the greater LA area. So that's how we were able to stretch out and gain such a wide, uh, radius or diameter in our, uh, work on Thanksgiving, 2021. And I feel like this could be replicated anywhere. Uh, it takes a handful of volunteers dedicated to spreading. Uh, and so by the way, the, uh, during Thanksgiving, 2021, we went completely vegan as well. Normally our meals may have a little bit of cheese in them, like a pasta meal, the sauce may already have some cheese already, you know, in, uh, in the sauce. And so we can't avoid that, but we don't put cheese on top of it. Uh, so 75% of our meals are vegan, but on Thanksgiving day, we said we want to make vegan pasta. So we had to alter our menu a little bit to be able to accommodate a vegan pasta meal. And then we provided a little bit additional, you know, we said we wanted to make it like a Thanksgiving feast. Uh, so we provided a little bit of bread, a dinner roll, uh, cookie, uh, and uh, a water bottle or something to drink. So that was a whole meal that we put together. And I feel like, you know, this can be replicated anywhere. So we're looking for organizations that can, you know, that we can connect with that are already feeding the area, even if it's 50 meals, hundred meals, if in one city we can have five organizations cooking 200 to a thousand meals there, we, we can already have 5,000 meals in one city. Uh, and so that's what we're looking to tie up with. Uh, and once we have that, the next piece would be to find organizations that could distribute into the different communities. Uh, but that's fairly easy. I, I did the work for connecting and you know doing all of the outreach with the organization. So it took a little bit of time, but it's, uh, you know, Instagram is a great tool for that. And how can people, if they want to get involved, how can people do that? Uh, you can reach out to me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Dr. Varun Gandhi and, uh, or email, uh, that's, uh, Varun Gandhi, PhD at gmail.com. That's 
Varun Gandhi PhD at gmail.com. And those would be the two best ways to reach out to me. Great. I want to link these two things together. How does this project of feeding people, this community service, this save up fit in to your story? You know, I have understood, uh, looking at past behavior from the very beginning, I have memories that's grade, you know, second grade, third grade, uh, where this was, I was back in Dubai. So it was like an Indian school system, CBSE school system. And over there we would, uh, you know, after the class, we would give our notebooks to be graded. So the teachers would take the, all of the books, stack of books, like, you know, 30 books, and she'd have to carry it to the class, to her, uh, the teacher's room. But instead I would, you know, always volunteer myself, like, Hey, let me help you carry these books. You know, so I was always a favorite amongst people because I would always offer my help. And so I think that carried over, uh, and just wanting to help people in different ways. Even when I go to a temple, any temple, if there's an event going on, I'd always want to help in the event as opposed to sitting there praying at the temple. You know, so I always want to give some, you know, save up, provide save up in some sort of way and help people. I've had that in my nature and I feel like that's just carried over and it's coming out in various ways. Uh, you know, this project came along and I feel like it was meant to happen because of, you know, those are the incidences that I mentioned, the experiences that I went through, uh, it kind of built up to it. And, uh, you know, I always, uh, it's, it's been a habit of mine to volunteer in all of these different ways. And I'm trying to cut back in certain ways so I could focus on myself as well. Uh, but I always do like to give back whenever I can. You brought up something there that I think doesn't get talked about enough. People giving and giving and giving, but not taking care of themselves. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, I, I got to a point where I felt like I was a chicken running around, you know, I was involved in all these different projects. I mean, amazing, amazing projects. Just, you know, everything that I took upon was like, wow, I wish I would have thought of that. You know, I want to be involved in this because it's so great for the community. Uh, it's so great for, you know, different groups of people. And then I realized that, but yeah, I can do all of these other things, but what about the things that I want to work on? You know, I had this idea in mind, this course that I want to put together called What's Your Story uh, to help people understand what their stories are, what their past behaviors are and how they have, you know, become who they are today because of all of the experiences in their past and how, you know, the stories that they've created around it. So I want to bring that insight into their lives. But if I'm always focused on other people's projects, I'm not going to have time for myself. So if I don't have time, because then I have to, you know, give away time for something else, that would be maybe time where I'm meditating or time where I'm, you know, sitting by myself and journaling. Uh, so the, I have to give up something, sacrifice time somewhere. And I felt like it was becoming to be way too much where I was giving up time where I was, you know, just being peaceful by myself or giving up time where I'm creating something for myself. And when it got to that point, I said, you know what, I have to cut back on some things, pick a few projects, pick one project, focus on it. And that's where this focus on the Seva in terms of feeding people has come. I've kind uh, of cut back on other projects that I've been working on as a Seva to the community and more to focus on my work now as well. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Those were the two main topics that really stood out in your work that I wanted to bring to people. But is there anything you feel like the world needs to know about right now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, part of my title, part of the introduction is uh, I call myself a water doctor. And the reason is I have a PhD in environmental engineering, specifically with the focus in water treatment and drinking water. Uh, and 
since then, I've, I've also worked in a career in environmental engineering consulting. I realized that I wasn't really interested in that and became this kind of solopreneur looking at what stories and things like that. That's been my trajectory. Along the way, I realized the importance of water in our lives, in my life. Drinking water, just making sure that I'm constantly hydrated. And I was reading this book uh, that was written way back in the 90s. It's called uh, Your Body's Many Cries for Water. And it's essentially saying that 50 to 60% of the diseases in our lives are caused by a lack of water. And just by hydrating ourselves, drinking enough water on a daily basis, you'll remove that fatigue, you'll remove the headaches, you'll remove those little things that you build uh, along the day um, that, uh, you know, it cools the body down. There's so many benefits of drinking water. So I want to remind people and invite people to, you know what, take a sip of water with us right now. So cheers, everyone. If you have your bottles right next to you, please let's take a sip of water together. Thank you. That was the message. That is, that, that's great. Thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you plug where people can help feeding people again to make sure people know. So we're collecting funds on, uh, it's on a GoFundMe, uh, but since the link is too complicated, I point you to my website, drburungandi.com. And on my website, on the front page, there's a link to the GoFundMe. Click on a button and you can directly go to our GoFundMe page. We're raising funds for 2022. Uh, so the, Kind of give you an idea. Uh, each meal costs us about a dollar fifty on average, uh, and uh, for the whole year, Joy of Sharing Foundation has pledged fifty percent of the donation funds that are required. Uh, so we've been collecting the remaining fifty percent, and out of that, through different organizations, we have collected about um, overall. We've collected about sixty to seventy percent. So we have a little bit left, but we also have the remaining 20, the rest of twenty twenty two left. So we're on good pace, but we're reaching out to the community. Anyone who's interested in helping us out, if you're local to the LA area, feel free to come out to Norwalk. Uh, you know, reach out to me. I will share the address with you, or you could go to Google Maps and type in Sanatan Dharma Temple, and it will show up. Feel free to come out, you know, volunteer with us. I'll take you on a tour, show you how everything works and you can come on a regular basis. Even if that's once a month, no problem. We'd love to have you. Uh, but yeah, any kind of resources that you would like to add to this, feel free to come out and, uh, you know, reach out to me and we can definitely have a chat. Well, that's it for this episode of That's So Hindu. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's how you can help this show get discovered by more listeners. If you want to help ensure that more of these get made, you can make a donation to HAF at www.indoamerican.org slash donate.